0: What you are about to hear is the ultimate blend of technology and entertainment. This is ConfTea with your SE.
1: That's right. This is ConfTea with your SE. I am your host, Brian Young. It has been 617 days since we last published an episode, but a lot has happened. Obviously, it's a long span of time, so I would expect a lot to happen, but we're back. And, man, do we have a great episode planned for you today. Before we jump into that, I'm also joined by my co-host, Mr. Tom Porto. How are you, sir? It's been a while.
0: Uh, it's been way too long, actually. <laughs> way too long. Uh, I forgot what we even do here. Um, but, no, man, I'm, I'm excited to be back.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, me me too. This, is, this has been a long time coming. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that came up between the last recording and this one that just kept pushing it back and delaying it more and more. And you know what? That's all behind us now, Tom, you had a bit of an injury. You're, you're getting better, feeling better building a new house. Now I finally got my car back. It took only 19 months, but I got my car back. (laughs) The funny thing was when when we, when it first, the last episode, when we talked about the car, we mentioned it. I was freaking out for the thing being in the shop for like two or three months. I'm not kidding. When I say 19 months, I got it back last November. And, uh, yeah, it's working. It's everything's good for those that really care.
0: <laughs> I mean, I said, about... I said I didn't want to start the podcast back up till you had the car back. So,
1: <laughs> oh, so it's my fault. OK, all right. I see how it is. <laughs> all right. Well, I didn't want to start the podcast up until we had an awesome guest to bring to you. And unfortunately, all we could find was Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mario Ruiz, how are you, sir? Happy Thursday. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for being on here. Um, this is this is great. I um, I'm glad you were able to to join us for our inaugural. You know, we're back now, season two, if you want to call it, um, episode here, and we're going to be discussing um, a product near and dear to you and and big in your uh, wheelhouse: uh, secure workload. Now, for those who may have heard of what secure workload is or was. Um, Secure Workload is actually from our old product, Tetration. And we're not going to be talking data center today, are we, Mario?
2: No. Why would we do something like that?
1: (laughs) But Tetration was a a data center product.
2: You would be correct in thinking that. And a lot of that had to do with just some of the internal transitions and really accommodating some of the market needs. So I think it's important that we kind of just touch on what prompted that because it actually aligns with why... The product is where it is. And so I started part of the internal NCMA group, uh, which was like an internal startup. And part of that team, like their charter was to address a couple different needs. And as it pertains to this topic of today's discussion, we saw two requirements in the market. And the first was just a traditional network automation play, what you may formally consider as ACI or application-centric infrastructure. But then, in parallel, there was this need for security policy automation. You kind of see two distinct themes. I got network automation, and then I have security automation. Right. And you may say, "Well, what do the two have anything to do with each other?" And actually, there's a lot there. Uh, if you really wanted to get into the philosophy, NCMA is Italian for "all together." And the idea when that team was being formed was, "How do I bring?" together these disparate functions or disciplines within an IT environment. And if you've been in IT for any amount of time, it's never the technology. It's always that people in the process. And so how do I navigate this dichotomy of these new technology innovations, and then bring different teams together? Which was rather interesting at the time because there was this thing called cloud that was emerging, it was kind of blending skill sets. Even more history lesson. If you think back to like the 80s and the notion of the mainframe, you were Mm -hmm. like a mainframe engineer. And yeah, you had a discipline. I knew a little bit of system, I knew a little bit of network. And then things got broken up. Well, guess what? That's also happened today in the market. And while there still is a need for a core uh, discipline, uh, that skill set's being blended. And so we kind of quickly identified that. Now, bringing it back to like the technology and rather the innovation lens our goal at that time was to solve a management problem and we bifurcated that into two domains a network domain and a security domain if i also look at what was happening at the market at that time you had what i call as the SDN wars it was almost this religious battle between the different vendors and even with academia I mean, if you think about like the definition of SDN this separation of control and data plane it's not a new idea. I mean, there's been products even within the Cisco portfolio that aligned with that. Mm -hmm. And so what really kind of stood the test of time was this notion of, of management plane and orchestration, which is wildly different than what the promise of SDN provided. But through that, frankly, customer requirements, market needs, and let's be very blunt, what particular vendors had suggested is the answer to some of these things, you now have this happy medium of, I have this one large hammer that solves every problem because everything's a nail. And so what ended up happening was, is that we began to charter down the path of network automation and promote two facets, the automation capabilities to address programmability, really solving the management problem. But then there was also just net new hardware because, I mean, look at where we work, right? This was the big brother John at the time, now big brother Chuck, if you will, uh, as far as who's got the latest and greatest, fastest widget. And hey, like that's our game. That was great. But there was also this other thing called security that was lagging behind in that market, where at that time, the answer to the world's problem was add another firewall.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so what was rather interesting with that is that actually still kind of is the same theme by today's standards. It's just the (laughs) the nature of the box is changing. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But the idea of I need a big box, well, the same shift that was occurring within networking was occurring within the security market. I mean, look, it's this cat and mouse game. Okay, I have a new feature. But along with that new feature, I also have a bigger, faster firewall. And at some point, there was this upper limit reached. So if you look at the parallel with a network, I mean, at that time, 40 gig Ethernet, and I would even argue to some extent by today's standard, 40 gig Ethernet is a significant jump for most in customer environments. Mm-hmm. Like, do you actually even have the bandwidth to drive and fill that pipe? Totally different right. discussion. But at that time, that was a big deal. Well, guess what? Now you're building this notion of a fabric, aggregate capacity of network throughput. Do you have a device to accommodate all that? And quite often, the firewall was seen as a choke point. It's a huge bottleneck. Correct. And now some of that actually is by design. So I wouldn't Mm -hmm. discount that, but just from a classic engineering perspective, I've always viewed like performance as like currency. I need to give something up, right? And so I'd rather give up that in exchange for some other dimension or characteristic. But this was the game, right? I give you a 40 gig network. I need a 40 gig firewall. And now I think I I was going to say 100 gig uh, networking, 100 gig firewall, but I, I was looking at like the Nexus portfolio. We have 400 gig Ethernet ports. Yeah, um, I
1: was I was going to say the 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 race when you were talking about the bigger and the faster and the the better box the it was the race to 400 that was really kind of pushing that. There was a lot of back and forth between us and and other vendors out there to to get to that 400, you know. I don't know, uh, you know, magical holy holy grail, right? In terms of just getting there. And it's like, all right, you got the bandwidth, maybe, you you know, you spent uh, more money on the transceivers to to fill up that box than you did on the actual box itself. You got, you know, 400 gig. What the hell are you going to be able to push through it? And then on top of what you're saying too, what security control is going to be able to even put in there that aren't going to just bring that 400 gigs down to four? <laughs>
2: well, and so just a slight deviation from the nature of the topic, but I sat on an internal... Uh, transceiver update was more about silicon photonics, but they've just standard the terabit ethernet uh, framework. So just think about that, right? Like a terabit (laughs) ethernet framework, right? Right. Like what's the killer app for that? And of course, all the vendors are going to coalesce around like machine learning AI and pick your buzzword of the day, which is some truth to that, but it's not as ubiquitous. Like those things are out there, but you know, what came first? Well, you need the network to be able to probably deliver that. But I, I digress. So I'm just waiting for the vendor to come out with like a terabit firewall, which technically on paper that it exists, but it really doesn't.
1: On 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 paper, you can do it with a cluster, but hmm. but yes,
2: uh, yeah. How much pain do you want, right? I don't know if you've ever troubleshoot <laughs> a, a firewall cluster. So years ago, I used to have a Cisco live session on disaster recovery, and I always talked about promoting the notion of a swim lane. Location one, location two, you kind of keep things in their lane. No one wanted to hear that because that wasn't terribly interesting. But you know what? It worked. And so uh, through being forced, we'll say, uh, hey, we have this new clustering capability. Other vendors are doing it. Sounds great. Labbed it up. A little sophisticated on the config, but it was manageable. When you started to test out that whole approach you failed wildly, like not one thing broke. It was like 20 things broke. They all broke. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, it was truly like this perfect storm of what can go wrong at three o'clock in the morning to go fix this. And so um, while it does address a particular need, I'm not an advocate uh, of that. And so, which kind of brings us back to the very topic at hand of, of, well, like what are we seeing in the market and, and why is it that Tetration is now a security product And so when we were at NCMA, they tied everything, or the team at that time attempted to tie everything back to hardware. How do I provide value and distinguish the hardware platforms? But it was interesting because at that time, everything was software. Everything was software. And so I'm a big believer that the more things change, the more they stay the same. And so the big value shift was the fact that I'm still going to give you the same capability. It's just going to come in a different form factor. So, if I told you that Tetration, when it was actually being built, was a firewall, what was what would you say to that?
1: Uh, I well, knowing what I know now, I'd agree with you. But not knowing what I know, <laughs> I'd be like, "What are you nuts? What are you
2: talking about? <laughs> like, right, stay in your lane." But you know, it's funny that was the exact dichotomy that we had to navigate within internal NCMA, even with internal Cisco, and and frankly, even with our customers. And so the idea that we originally started around providing insight into the network, so think performance diagnostic, think about being able to measure transmit, receive times, uh, latency metrics, calculations. Pretty cool. But think about this and its architecture. I need an agent, a software component that sits at the operating system level. And most of our clients, when they're in the network, it's a router or a switch. I don't touch that side of the fence. You stay in your lane. So in that vein, it did create a bit of a friction point. But I welcome that because I think that was the first sign of things to change. Now, there's a reason why that is the predominant model. I think by today's standards, it's probably well understood. But what it did highlight is that, hey, the world's changing. I need some better insight into the environment. Guess what? I'm going to have to step on your side of the fence. And most of our clients don't normally like to think like that because my world is my device and my device is my router, my firewall, pick your device. I always laugh because that device is going to blow up in your face and it's not going to hug you back. So what do you do then? So when we came out with the platform, there was a lot of capability centered around like performance diagnostics, insight, namely the big spin and frankly, the big flag I had at that time was I can discover the application landscape, right? I can map out things. I can do this really cool thing called application dependency mapping. And visibility is a critical need within a data center environment or really any environment I'd argue. But in this case, this is where the pain was felt the most. So, like, frankly, it's from a capitalist perspective, where do you focus? Where am I going to make the most impact? So that's where we started. That's where things uh, 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 started to flourish. However, as we began to reveal the roadmap and we started to do things, like controlling the host-based firewall totally changed the game. Because I started this discussion around, well, let's throw a firewall everywhere. Well, what if every server was your firewall? I completely alleviate the need in many respects, not entirely, but in many respects for traditional firewalling. Right. What was interesting
1: because the, the goal beforehand was to kind of create your little security domains, right? You, you'd set up, you know, these servers are in this security domain and I don't really care if they talk to each other, that's okay. But if they want to talk to this other security domain, I need to put a firewall there. I need to inspect that traffic. And to the points we talked about before, making sure the bandwidth was enough and that, of course, you know, don't even get me started on what if that traffic is encrypted, right? And (laughs) what kind of inspection can I do or do I need to, you know, turn on SSL decryption and now I really need to oversize the box, right? But, yeah, so instead of one firewall, maybe four firewalls, maybe six firewalls, but I know you're getting to, how about all the firewalls? Right. Yeah. Because the natural conclusion for
2: most vendors is like, oh, yeah, well, we'll be glad to provide you a clustering solution. And like, <laughs> that's okay. Let's just be very upfront about that. But as you mentioned, like, there's this little thing called TLS, and I don't know if you've been paying attention, but I think it's like 70% of the internet traffic, especially if they are
1: 84, they're... I think now. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> right. All right. So that's the point there, right? Like, you're, are you going to really decrypt like 84% of the It didn't just make sense. Frankly, If I took the tech out of it and just from an economics perspective, what am I buying at that point? Am I buying a security appliance or am I buying some encryptor, right? Like this is the classic like 1980s network design where I buy one device for one function and then another device for another function, right? right. right. It's antithetical to the trend of network function virtualization. But if you think about it, that's all they're really doing. Total (laughs) sidestep there. So, okay, like, but here's the problem. Uh, A lot of the times the discussions in the data center were centered around a networking buyer or even a systems buyer with things like UCS and things of that nature. We didn't have the ear of the security buyer. And so when I come in, I'm talking about application dependency mapping, like great capability, but look, I'm a New York guy. So what? Now what? right? What am I going to do with this? Why is this terribly interesting? Like, yeah, I'm telling you I could solve world peace, but why do you want to solve world peace? And don't give me an altruistic response. Like, what is the thing that we're trying to get at? And so there is the rub, right? It was kind of falling on on deaf ears. But if I go back to the very need of the firewall, look, the firewall is the firewall, but I would even argue you have multiple enforcement points. I can create an ACL on a router or a switch. I could drop yep. things on a load balancer. Heck, I can even do things within a host-based firewall. It, it, even if you look at uh, other solutions in the market where they do hypervisor-based, where they use the actual virtual NIC as the vehicle, the problem becomes is that I have fifty different places to drop something in the environment. Yep. So the problem really wasn't like, well, let's throw a firewall everywhere because technically, well, you already have them. You're not using them. You're not playing with your toys efficiently. And that was the problem, right? And so management recognized this and they said, well, hey, let's transition the product out of the data center and into the security business unit where, hey, you're going to get a little bit more love, but now you're going to have the access to the appropriate buyer. And at that time, more importantly, I'd argue is the fact that now you're going to have exposure to the broader Cisco security portfolio, and that was the compelling event where I was like, "Aha! All right, now we're getting the love that the the platform appropriately needs." And so I think at that point we were invited to the family barbecue, and someone offered me a beer, right? And so at, at that and point, it wasn't an
1: O'Doul's. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but the point was is that there was a, an acknowledgement. From the company right. that, hey, like if we wish to see this grow, we gotta make this shift. So that was a very long winded uh response as far as like, wait a second, who called an audible? I thought you were over here and now you're over here. Or, I just
1: asked you your name, Mario. I, I don't I don't know where you just you just kinda went off. I was like, you know, <laughs> tell me tell me your name and, and who you are and you're just guys, now you, you gotta about... keep
2: me you gotta keep me in the <laughs> reins here because I can talk about everything about nothing. So you gotta be careful what you're asking for.
1: This is this is why you're the perfect guest for this. In fact, I think you should start your own podcast. Just don't compete with ours, please. You know. <laughs> you know,
2: frankly, uh, I don't have the time uh, to do so. So just keep bringing me back. If next time you want me to talk about right.
1: something, I appreciate that. Fair enough. Fair enough. What's funny is as, as we were talking, I was, I was looking and I was like, you know what? I think we did an episode on Tetration like, early on. And this is actually before, before Tom's time. Um, it was actually in August of 2019. When we did an episode on Tetration, and I think it was it was the transition that was happening then was uh, was kind of that that first level where we were going from the full or half rack of gear to now mm. um, agent based with Tetration as a service, right? And and even then from there, it's really you know shifted and and changed around because it, then it was still a data center product, it was still focused around the data center kind of ACI pieces and, and zero trust there. And now that it's kind of gone into the security um, realm and, and taken over by the security business unit, right, it's, it's continued to evolve and do all sorts of, of, of cool things like the application dependency mapping that you alluded to. Tom, I don't know if you wanted to ask a question, but I, I wanted to dive into that next uh, if we think that's a good transition point.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned, you know, obviously it's, and, and this was obviously probably covered on the original podcast, but, um, you know, we're, we're really we're controlling, you know, the host firewall, right? And I think that one of the great things about this product is it's in comparison to what some other vendors do, right? We can secure workloads anywhere, right? So multiple data centers you're not really having to you know you can have policies that apply to both and it's not uh you know completely separate management you know tools or anything like that now mario with cloud right you mentioned cloud beyond you know just your standard windows linux boxes does there any is there any integration into the cloud platforms that it can control workloads up there as well
2: You know, if we didn't have it, I don't think we'd be able to sell it, to be very frank, right? Right. So to your suggestion, let's define this notion of a workload, because I think this will kind of characterize uh, and bring together these different uh, concepts, right? And so you highlight cloud, but why is that relevant, right? Not because it's like everyone's doing it, but the reality is that it suggests that the control point has moved, where at least from an information security perspective, the design was always centered around where can I exert some degree of influence. The problem is, is that I don't have the same tool set to do so. In many respects, some of that tool set's completely changed. And so I need to be able to arbitrate all these different levels in the environment. Where can I influence a decision? And so this is where you look at this notion of a workload, and it's simply just a catch all term. Could be could be a mainframe, could be a physical system. But more commonly, it's a virtual machine, could be a container. And in some definitions, even like a function. And so the idea is that this is actually this very broad interpretation simply of a, of a unit of compute. Right. This is Mario's view of, of the world, not necessarily reflective of, of any vendor. But I need to use that as the vehicle to exert influence in the environment. And now in doing so, you shift some of the game, right? We were talking about firewall, right? And like, this is why the idea of a host-based firewall is attractive. You have a host-based firewall in the operating system. It's been there for years, but no one did anything with it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just because simply it was, it was hard. Uh, side note, uh, I'm showing my age at Cisco. This is my 17th year with the company. But when I started the company, we had this product called Cisco Security Agent, CSA. Uh, I'd argue it's the OG Tetration slash AMP uh, for endpoint, or rather secure endpoint, excuse me. Um, And great idea, right? But every time I opened up a tab in this new browser at that time called Chrome, it would yell at me. And so what would I do? I would create a new rule to bypass and then over a period of time, I made the policy Swiss cheese. It pretty much did nothing. And so, you know, I'm highlighting this because this just shows the fact that, like, this is a faculty that's well known. It's been out there for years. People understand yep. it,
1: but no one uses it, right? Even on the personal computing. I know I know McAfee and Norton, they all had it, right? It's like your personal firewall, and it would just be like every single executable that needed to reach out to the internet ever. It was like, ding, 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 and just like, accept, accept, accept as you said, Swiss cheese after that.
2: Well, I mean, let's let's face it. We were all on Facebook playing Farmville. How do I deviate from that, right? And then how do you construct the security (laughs) policy when everything's over port 80? But in a separate discussion altogether. But coming back, uh, yeah, so we do provide capabilities to normalize the cloud infrastructure because no one's in one cloud. Here's a fun fact. Actually, I saw, we'll keep the consulting name out of this discussion, but they actually said that Azure is like the number one cloud provider. I was like, scratching my head. Like why, what? Like record scratch. But if you kind of think about it, uh, it, there is like this like race between AWS and uh, Azure with uh, GCP and not too far behind. But the point being is that everyone's doing something in cloud. Mm -hmm. And if I look at each one of those cloud vendors, a lot of the concepts are identical. But their implementations differ. And really, our job as engineers is like, well, details matter, right? How do I navigate some of these subtleties? Like classic example, AWS has a notion of a security group. It's nothing more than a NIC-based firewall. So does Azure. However, Azure introduces the notion of hierarchy. I have a network security group, which is at the NIC level. But there's also a network security group that could be at the subnet level. So you get two tiers of policy. Rather interesting play there. Um, Google has something similar, uh, although their firewall isn't as robust, but they offer other compensating controls. The point being is that like, if I'm on the other side of the fence, my job's already hard, and you've just made it exponentially more harder because... I need to now go figure out AWS does it like this. Azure does it like this. GCP does it like this. You know, this was like a a game like years ago uh, where selfishly we'll pick on ourselves. Uh, I have a firewall. I have version A of the firewall and then version B comes out and there's a slight change in the command syntax. I got to go Google it. I got to go make that change. Mm -hmm. And so is my value like understanding that technology and providing a solution or is my value, my ability to Google? Like, right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? So this is nothing more than the same problem, except that it's way worse. And so you kind of go back to this notion of like the point in the infrastructure, the workload is a pretty happy place because you have workloads in a traditional data center. You're going to have workloads in a cloud. So the intuition is just, why not use that as the control point? Use that as your source of information into your environment. And it kind of goes back to what we touched on earlier, is that's getting visibility. Now, I don't, I'm not a believer of like one point of visibility is better than the other. Like you get into single variable arguments, it's going to be very divisive. Uh, I don't think it's an or, I think it's an and. But it's also hard to ignore the richness that looking at that operating system level provides. So this is where we kind of come back to this very notion of well, if I'm going to use this as security, like what's my step one? Like let's get a baseline.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the the concept here, right, is that if you have multiple workloads, you can you know going back to our kind of a the the design we were talking about before where you have one, two, eight firewalls, right? Your aggregation point is the network, and we focus our efforts on securing the network. In this case, what you're saying is the aggregation point can be all of those workloads, right? Whatever the operating system is. And my aggregation point is the dashboard where the automation tool comes into play. And that's my kind of single source of, of truth and single point of management. Right? So instead of focusing all the security to have all the connections come into one place in order to analyze them, I can analyze them where they're at, right at, right at the edge of the endpoint itself, and then uh, aggregate all the management.
2: Yeah, spot on. And I think the other telling thing that this is suggesting is that, look, there's a shift in the industry, at least in information security, right? Where traditionally, like you look at like any security certification. Like everyone wants to go to like penetration testing because let's be honest, it's actually fun. But like, what do you have to learn first? You got to learn this thing called network security, right? It's foundational. But now I can't control the network, right? Especially when I go to cloud, I, I don't have as much influence. I There's things I can do, but they're not as robust. So I'm giving up something in exchange for something else. So the point I'm trying to make here is that there is a shift. And so this is where you see this dichotomy of network security versus application security. I am not of the opinion that uh, you can do everything with one, mm-hmm. although some vendors would lead you to believe otherwise. Uh, look, I look at information on, on a scale. Where do you fit on that scale? Right. And so I need to move the slider in the appropriate direction based on your particular use case. And yeah, over time, it's this like fine tuning, but you'll eventually get to this normalization uh, point. This is the classic Pareto distribution. Uh, 80% of the solution is going to be addressed with X. Everyone gets so caught up on that last 20%, but it's like, wait a second. Like, I don't know about you, but solve 80% of my problem. I'll give you a hug so I can focus elsewhere. You know what I mean? So, so this is the, this is the, the big transition that you're seeing in the market. This is why you have this idea of a workload protection strategy.
1: Right. I just, I just thought of our, of our breakaway episode, uh, hugs with Mario.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. No, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's funny too, because I remember I was having a conversation with a customer recently and, Originally, we were just supposed to go in there and talk about one thing. I don't even remember what it was, to be honest with you. We were just going in there to talk about one thing, security related. And we ended up talking about six. And I just, I was like, I hate to keep dropping these product names on you and sounding like a, like a typical sales guy, but there are so many layers to this approach here that, that we're doing at Cisco. And we talked about Secure workload. We talked about secure network analytics, which is previously StealthWatch, right? I said, they do similar things in very different ways, and they're built for different use cases. Secure network analytics, looking at the network flows to monitor the east-west traffic that a firewall wouldn't normally ever see, because in a, in a typical uh, work environment, the firewall is going to be on the edge and it's only going to be monitoring north-south connections. So anything going east-west from, you know, one PC to the other, not going to normally be seen. To that to that extent, we can also obviously with secure network analytics monitor the east-west traffic that's going from the, uh, the carpeted space to the data centers, right? But hopefully there's a firewall there as well. That's just an extra layer of security for things that a firewall wouldn't normally be looking for. Firewall, especially next-gen firewall, they're looking for... Obviously, the first thing it's going to do is is only allow the types of uh, connections over the ports and protocols that you you say, right? And the next thing it's going to do is just look for that behavioral stuff. Um, I'm sorry, it's not going to look for behavioral. That That's the point. It's going to look for the intrusion-based stuff, right? It's going to look for those those uh, signatures. Uh, it's not going to look for the behavioral, which is what secure network analytics does. And on the other side, what secure workload is going to do, and I've seen this you know, shown by you. I know we had a, a deep dive on it one-on-one when I came into this new role and I'm like, show me what this does, show me how it works, show me what it looks like, like make me impressed so that I can go and talk about it. And the application dependency mapping tool, giving you the visibility that you're not going to see unless you're planning on pouring through tons of packet captures. That is that that is worth its weight in gold right there, because not only are you going to be able to See what your your normal is, and uh, you also have the ability to lock it down, if you if you want, and you can't do that without knowing every single type of communication coming in and out of that box. Multiply that box by a hundred, a thousand, whatever applications. Right as they get more and more complex, and that's where the the I think that's where the value of secure workload comes into play because of the orchestration the dashboard, everything, you have that one kind of place to manage it all, where the actual enforcement is a host-based firewall. that that That's all it is. It's, it's simple, but it's, it's so simple, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, you know, to your point, look, there's like a lot to unpack there because uh, I'd
2: even argue it's not just the host-based firewall that we can use as an enforcement point. So let's kind of just break up uh, a couple of these things. And the first is, Look, you're going to find from a lot of these solutions, and this is not just from Cisco, this is not even just from within the portfolio, but this is actually within the industry, that part of this transition to application security, you're going to see particular capabilities or features and characteristics be consistent in multiple products, right? So like, look, vulnerability detection. As an example, I should be able to tell you, hey, like this thing is living in the environment. I could tell you that at an operating system level. I could tell you that at a network level, right? How do I do that? I need some sort of insight into the environment. I can get insight and visibility at the operating system level. I can get that at the network level, right? I need to be able to report some sort of deviation based off that. Based off all of this, simplify my life and tell me what to do with that. And most common, we look at some sort of blocking capability, Right Now, the question is, is that either a native faculty or some external orchestration? But using that framework, I can use that to probably describe five or six Cisco products. I can use that same thing to talk about any other even competitive implementations. And so this kind of goes back to like, hey, what is the use case? Well, like most often the customer is going to say like, well, I, I want visibility. I want it all. Well, okay, great. I'm going to give you a couple different options here. Which of these make more sense, right? What are we trying to drive to? Or you could say, okay, what's the end goal? Like skip the research thesis. So as you suggested, like when I provide things like the ability to effectively create an application landscape and tell you who's talking to whom, these things belong together. And that's going to be very different than okay, here's all the data on VLAN 10. And I see a bunch of IPs and there's a frequency by which these things communicate. But there's going to be a break in that understanding. This is, this is not to say that one is better than the other. What this is to say is that there is a distinction. At the OS level, I have the liberty of using process. At the network level, I can see a broader aggregate view of things. They're different. Right, that's the 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 first thing here. So if I go back to this topic of visibility, which is a theme in really like every security product, if you're not giving me some degree of insight, like what are you doing? I'd argue the whole premise is to use that visibility for something, which also kind of brings us back to what are you trying to do? And our view in many cases was, well, if I'm going to put a firewall everywhere, that's great, Um, but what am I going to Define as a policy. That's the hardest thing. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, before Sourcefire, we had another NGFW uh, within Cisco. It was actually a module that would go into the ASAs and it would do application level expe- inspection. Um, and I had a client, they had just under a million firewall rules and for them to take advantage of this capability suggested that they actually had to upgrade that box. And like the engineer pulls me to the side. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, I got this new whiz feature. This is great. This is going to solve world hunger for you. He's like, no, no. He's like, I don't want to do that. He's like, I will be your roadblock to adopting this because I don't want to touch that box. Because if that box blows up, my job's on the line. And I got three kids and he showed me a picture of his three kids and it messed with me because now the only thing that I had in the back of my head was, oh my goodness, if this thing fails, those three babies are what I had in the back of my head, right? Now I'm, I'm being a bit facetious with the example here, but this is the legit concern, right? These things are hard. It's not just the technology. And so the question always becomes is what should I be blocking? And okay, like what you block today is not what you're gonna block tomorrow. How do I keep up with that? How do I keep it fresh, right? And so I create a baseline. But unlike traditional models where I use some heuristic, frankly, I use a shortcut, that doesn't work. I need to understand what is good look like and report deviations. Now, I also wanna caveat that with, I could have a lot of bad and you're telling me that What you have, all your trauma is good. Well, how do I tease that out of this information? Well, okay, now there's cleanup and hardening. And well, like now the job starts. But the point being is I solved 80% of your problem. And so this is kind of like where I come into play working with the team, um, more from a development, really more from a math perspective, rather I should say statistics. We said, you know what? Like this actually could be solved as using basic math. Like you can give me all this information about your network. You can give me all this process level information. You can give me the frequency, which they're firing. You can tell me port to socket binding. Great. How does a computer actually decompose all of this? Well, it actually doesn't, but what it does do is I can then say, I can look at all these features or all these dimensions and I can calculate the distance between these different things. And based on the difference can let me know how close or how far things are. And so simply, this is this notion, if you're really interested, is a K-means clustering algorithm. Where I'm looking at all these different features and saying, hey, there's enough similarity that these things belong together. And based on that likeness that I'm deducing, I can provide a confidence interval. Yeah, I'm very confident that those things belong together, or no, there is enough of a distinction that they are separate. And so this is how I can say, give me VLAN 100, and VLAN 100 has 100 virtual machines. But those 100 virtual machines actually represent five unique applications. I'm not going to re-IP them to isolate them. So what am I gonna do? How do I draw the boundary between those five apps? And I can use this algorithm to be able to deduce this for me. That is the core of the application dependency mapping, right? That's how I can build out and tell you all the apps in the environment. Now the inverse is also true. If you've ever played with any algorithm, uh, especially like a routing protocol, like i may not agree with what you define as best <laughs> so mm-hmm. i need to manually insert my own uh secret sauce right or define a policy so you're not penalized for relying on the algorithm's output you can go in you can tweak it you can make adjustments no that's actually not a production server that's actually a development server whatever right but the point being Is that the effort associated with being able to inventory and map out the environment, the system is going to do intuitively for you. But you couldn't do that at a network level because if I'm looking at a network, I'm looking at the aggregate and I don't have the granularity necessary to discern things. So I can get you close, but I'm not going to get you to that like last 20%. And that's that last 20% that matters. So this kind of just rounds out this thought of like, okay, visibility, where am I looking? How does it actually work? But more importantly, now that I did all this discovery, what am I going to do with it? Right, so now we talk security. And the whole point of this exercise was not to map out the apps. There's other platforms that do that, probably faster and probably with a lot less headache the reason why I'm doing that is so I can create a security policy.
1: I was going to ask you you mentioned faster what is a timeline to get to that kind of that 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 goal, right? I know that we're looking at that 80%, but what is a general timeline typically? Yeah, so my experience has been
2: that the minute a client would implement an agent that agent's in a stream telemetry back to that backend cluster where we're going to start to do all of this analytical processing. And usually about like two hours, I can start to do some creative, creative assessment of the environment and visualize some of these things for you. But let's just be very blunt. You're going to trust two hours worth of data Eh, probably not. Right. And so look, the longer you let it run, the longer you let it set and soak, you know, the more granular. Um, But this is the problem, right? People, there's a lot of people like me who have zero patience. I want it now, right?
1: And so, so this is kind of like we have zero to... trust and zero patience, right. Exactly. Hey,
2: they go hand in hand, right?
1: So they do. Uh, they do.
2: But but that's that's the point. So yeah, look look, I can give you all this insight after two hours, right? I install an agent. I do a lot of the, the homework for you, but right. I would argue it's the rest of the 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 steps we'll say in the process and unpacking. Hey, how do I create the security policy? Because what was the alternative? all right, give me NetFlow or give me Span off of your Switch. We're going to tweak that to dispatch that at like as low as it can go. And practically it was a minute. And even then you're probably hitting the upper limits of that hardware. Um, I'm going to dump it out. I'm going to start playing the packet capture game and running my PCAP analysis. And then I'm going to give you this amazing Excel document. And a developer is going to go and create <laughs> one change in the app and like you're Quarters worth of work just went up in flame.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: All right, look, I'm not saying that that's bad because there are use cases. Like sometimes, like you're in a pinch, do what you got to do, right? Right. Um, but I'm lazy, and if I know that...
1: understand the limitations of it, as, as you said, as soon as you put it to paper, it's 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 out of it's out of date.
2: Correct. Right. Look, all information on a spectrum. Right. Uh, how hard do you want to work? Right. And so. In this case, the whole point was I need to go define my security policies. I don't want to sit through the show run and go line by line in an audit and understand the fragments of an application that we don't even have running in the network four years ago. But heaven forbid I have to justify why I took out a firewall rule that's doing nothing to an auditor who wants the proof that those packet capture encounters have not incremented over the last quarter for some auditing or compliance requirement. Heartburn. Not having it, right? Like this is the reality.
1: Heartburn, eventual cardiac arrest.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah, pick, pick your pain, right? Like, yeah. so um, in that vein, the whole point of this exercise was to create the security policy. And so as opposed to going through the rigor of converting that and sifting through that, well, we're just going to give it the answer to the test. And we're going to convert that by the default uh, in a whitelist model. So what you'll have is a policy based on those communications that are allowing the traffic. And anything that's not listed in there is just going to be implicit deny. Now, what's actually really sweet is that, you know, everyone's talking about zero trust and they always associate zero trust with this allow model, but there is a hesitation to actually deploy it because let's face it, it actually works. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> right. So that's the problem, right? Right. So um, other implementations that you may find in the market, it's like very binary. No, you get either or. Well, like our approach is that you can actually mix and match policies. Where hey, maybe I do need to specify a deny elsewhere, right? Where now it's not a blacklist. It's not a whitelist. It's this graylist model, right? And so we're able to reconcile that all down. But the point being is that I did all the work for you. And all you need to do is like, yes or no. Yes, I approve. This makes sense. If you were to actually look at the policy, it simply looks like a bunch of object groups within your firewall. And if you're not familiar with the object group, the whole idea is that I'm using like a name or a label to represent the policy. So I'm not looking at this IP can communicate with that IP. No, I'm saying, hey, like this web server can talk to that web server, right? that is the whole point here makes it much more elegant and easier on the eyes but there's also a a side benefit to that and that's i'm not tying the policy to an ip because bringing it back to a point that tom made earlier like if you're in cloud like the ip is completely irrelevant especially if you consider any one any devops but then two if i look at the deployment of like kubernetes like I don't know if you guys like watch Netflix, but when you hit pause, rewind, fast forward, that's a point in time container that gets spun up, performs a function, and it's dissolved. Poof, it's gone. Wow. How do you how do you protect that? How do I how do I provide a policy for something that's there for a second? <laughs> right? So you got this goes back to I got someone move the cheese, right? I need another mechanism in the environment to arbitrate that. Well, I use Metadata as opposed to an IP to suggest and enforce the policy. Right? So I can inherently accommodate inframural state. I can inherently accommodate uh, elasticity. Spin up more web servers, right? Well, like I don't want to have to press the button four or five, six, seven, eight, nine times. I'm lazy. I have a tag web server. I have a parent child relationship of policy. If I said the web server can do this, all the web servers are going to be subject to that, whether it's 10 or 100. But then the inverse of that is also true, which I actually can do cleanup. I am reducing the capacity. I'm releasing that. Well, I can adjust the configuration as, as appropriate. So this is the, the, the game that we're now we're starting to play where it's about policy. It has zero to do with where the enforcement is going. It has zero to do about how I'm getting insight. And this is the crux of the problem. What do you want me to block? Don't tell me where it is. Let's just first figure out what I wanna block. I, I wanna massage this. Like I remember years ago, uh, the grant, again, I'm dating myself here. The grandfather to ice was Knack Manager, right? And it had this capability of visibility, which actually is a default in ice of this monitor mode. Because again, mm-hmm. the thing works. So like I need to understand what's going to break right as soon
1: as you said that i that's the first thing i thought of it's like yeah that's that's the same reason why people are scared to implement you know true network you know security and 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 ice and 802.1x and and just flip just flip the switch it's fine don't don't be scared take them all out
0: take them all out it's fine but
1: it's funny it's like yeah the reason you're scared mr (laughs) mrs customer is because it works
2: (laughs) Yeah. And and look, I, we're, we're being facetious uh, on that, but there's legitimate pain, right? Like there's legitimate, like anxiety. How do I take the edge off? And this is the the problem. This is every vendor, right? Like, how do I take this edge off? I want to convert you from, I got, you did 80% of the work. Like, just like, let's go on this date. It's going to be great. Like, we're going to fall in love, you know, there, you know.
1: Hugs with Mario. Hugs
2: with Mario, right? We're bringing it back, right? (laughs) But there is that risk where I bring you right to the ledge and I need you to take that leap of faith. I need you to press the button. I need you to press enter on the keyboard and make that change. Mm -hmm. And you can't because the problem is is that when I couple this with business decision makers, my failure is going to be associated with multiple zeros that exceed my salary. (laughs) <laughs> right. So,
1: so, and they're not in front of the number. They're on the back. Correct.
2: Right. There's a couple commas in there as well. So that's, <laughs> that's the point. Right. So how do I take this edge off? Well, we look at this and say, Hey, like, like fear not, let's give you some tools to simulate. So like the first is like this, what if scenario, if I did deploy this, the first thing I want to do is just like check my work. Like, okay. I personally don't like auto anything. It's auto magic. I'm a little conservative in this regard. Prove to me this is going to do the thing that you're telling me to do, right? Proof is in the pudding. So, why not say, based on what the policy is suggesting, can this thing talk to that thing over whatever, right? You could simulate that. You can do this what if scenario. You can even take it a step further and say, if this were actually active, let's pretend to turn this on, what would break? And report those breaks to me, right? And so this notion of what if analysis, coupled with this idea of uh, using actual data to represent what the outcome is, is how we kind of take and alleviate some of this tension off, right? That's how I get over the hump of this. So now when I'm looking at your policy. I know what it's doing. I have confidence it's doing what I'm thinking it's going to do. And oh, by the way, because I've let this run, not for two hours, but a quarter, I can see all the things that I have missed. And mm-hmm. why why did I miss it? Maybe maybe there was a change in the environment. Maybe I missed deploying an agent. Oh, yeah, that little thing called backups. I forgot to account yep. for that in my policy. In fact, that There's actually... a cron
1: job that runs quarterly that ne- talks to something that normally never does. And it's it's getting blocked what's what's going on
2: you know it's funny and that's that is the crux of this whole exercise right because you're effectively documenting the entire it history of the environment but now you're making it this like living breathing organic document that like if you didn't have a tool set like this how else would you go about doing it the answer is that you wouldn't
0: right
1: and so tom tom likes to use ms paint though so I think he would. He would. He might use Microsoft Paint for that.
0: I literally sent someone something in MS Paint yesterday. So I'll knock <laughs> it. That was a network diagram for me, man.
2: Tom, I heard no there's words. this new tool called uh, Adobe that you may want to explore, or maybe even Figma is a, is a new version. But <laughs> I digress. But uh, jokes aside, though, like this is the rub, right? Like it's not yeah. about the enforcement aspect. That's easy. That's like too easy. The problem is, is like, what am I going to block? How do I know it's good? And what's the validation and effort associated with that? And different environments have different degrees of sophistication. Now, I harped on all of this because frankly, this is the hard part. But like from what I've seen with most customers, it, some of them don't even require that degree of scrutiny. Like, like yeah. I, I've solved your problem for what the industry would define as micro segmentation. Heck, I got an email in my Gmail this morning. It was something about pico segmentation. Whatever. The the point being is that I have solved the hard part in typical Cisco fashion. If I could solve the hard part, that's gonna benefit everything else below that. And so if hmm. I go into most environments, I may not need the scrutiny of micro-segmentation. Heck, I might not have even deployed like classic 1980s zone-based approach. Well, can we can we get there first? The difference being is that I don't have to buy a box. I don't have to try to figure out how to get traffic to it. I don't have to tune it, uh, you know, upgrade. No, No, like just use what you got already. Deploy the agent. It's in a software model. Now we can begin to lock down the environment, right? And you may just be satisfied with just having these generic boundary points in the environment. I don't need for you to tell me that these 50 systems make up app one. I just want to make sure that if it's in production and this is facing like a PCI zone because of compliance, these two things can't talk, right? right. It's very simple, right? This is not, again, not a new problem. It's just a new spin on what you had before. And I think that's right. the, the the parallel that I, I want to harp on here.
1: No, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, all the complexities and concerns that you would have with, you know, putting physical boxes in place, you know, and, and just worrying about the IP addresses. And as you, you know, the, the, the story you said about the Netflix thing, where when you pause or rewind, there's a container that's instantly spun up, does its job and then gets dissolved. It's like, not that I would really need to protect a, a, a container that's only alive for a second or two, but you know, being able to just build at scale and also that scaling in both directions, up or down, not have to worry about IP addresses, stale values, uh, you know, reusing an IP address once a, a workload has been decommissioned and another one comes into something completely different. If we're relying on, on ACLs or, or whatever on the switch or whatever, or on the firewall, um, you're going to be like, you're going to be, the, the app developers going to be scratching their head. Why doesn't this work? You know, It's going to be going to be a nightmare.
2: Well, it's not even just that. I mean, like, so, you know, I started up Cisco as a software engineer and whenever there was some sort of security, at least for me, a testing requirement, how fast can I get this off my plate so I can get onto the next thing? And I think (laughs) that highlights the fact that, okay, you provide some compensating control in the environment. And my goal is to not deal with you. So how do I circumvent or get around that? Right. which goes back to the very notion of defining the policy. How do I keep it fresh? Right. If I can capture that delta, that deviation, that snapshot, I can revise it. And so there's a bit of a harmonization between the different disciplines as a result. right? We can have uh, this kumbaya moment right, at the table where it doesn't have to be this friction uh, dynamic. No, we can smooth things out. I can give you the freedom from a security lens to you know, do what you need, but I can put some guardrails, right? It's like, uh, like if you have kids, uh, they have like these like little fences that you can move around in the environment. It's like, okay, like you can do whatever you want kid, like in this fence, but you gotta stay in this fence. Unless of course, if you're my son, then he's just pushing the fence all around and uh, I digress. But the point being is that you need to create this dynamic in the environment that just kind of alleviates this friction. It's not going away. It's gonna get worse. So we might as well come to terms, right? And that's simply what we're trying to do with this approach.
0: Yeah, I. I so before I came to Cisco, I worked for a software company uh, as a network engineer. And I mean, the amount of bodies and titles involved in making changes in an environment that's very software development heavy, I, I mean, it, it, it. you're constantly getting yelled at by a software developer because... You're taking too long to answer their ticket when you've got 50 other developers who are asking for a security change, whether it's on a firewall or spinning up a new VLAN for them. And this could be in production or in their dev environment. So, you know, DevOps became more popular. We gave more control over to the developers. Like, okay, you know, here's a VMware cluster for you. You can, you know, play in your sandbox, do what you got to do. But, okay, but then there were still things that we needed to make sure we were protecting on our end. To make sure you weren't poking holes through things and you know exposing company secrets out to the rest of the world and god if i if i had had the opportunity to deploy something like this it, where i was previously i mean you would look like a, you look like a rock star like, hey guess what you need to spin all this up because with the policy is already there go have at it it's done i mean it's it's powerful it, it you know, really you is d-
2: you know actually i'm going to rename uh, we have a feature i'm going to rename it the, the Tom Porto knob, but we have this capability <laughs> called autopilot rules, where simply, like if there's something in the environment that everything's going to talk to, so like like shared services, like everything talks to Active Directory, everything talks to DNS, DHCP.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't want to have the burden of clicking the button to approve So we have autopilot rules, that whenever you see a request from, let's say, some applications, if we've deem this a golden state of our policy, you can kind of let it rip, right? And so I'm calling this the the, the Tom rule now, because that is effectively the, the, the notion and the intuition behind this, the feature in the platform. And look, there's a million knobs, typical Cisco. I give you like a million features. You really only need five, um, but separate discussion. But that's the whole point, right? Like, how do I, how do I take uh, the people out of it, simplify some of that? Because, look, I can, I can do magic with technology, but so what if I can't get it to work in any kind of environment? Which is the, the, kind of a good transition because, like, we've kind of danced around and talked about this idea of, like, using the host-based firewall. Like, phenomenal case. However, that's not the only enforcement point. Can I render a security group in a cloud environment? Or maybe I don't have the luxury of putting an agent on that system. Or maybe, frankly, because of DevOps, they've already deployed 500 VMs on multiple different segments. And (laughs) their view of the world is, I'm not going to go troubleshoot a thing. I'm just going to go run another Terraform script, and I'm just going to build it net new. And now it's just going to work. Which to me was like a big paradigm shift because it's antithetical to everything that I've known. Yes, I was a developer, but I was taught you need to drill into everything to understand why it broke. This is just my hardwiring, And nowadays, I can't SSH into a box. Okay, I'll just delete it and make another one. It's like, dude, like, <laughs> like, check your internet connection, check your keys, check it, you know, like, and so you kind of go through like this logic of like troubleshooting. And it's like, well, for for what? For what? Like, it takes two seconds to run the script. And so Mm -hmm. there's no retrofitting. So How do I deploy the policy into these retrofitted environments? Play with this cloud security group. Hey, I have a a, a load balancer from pick your application uh, delivery controller vendor of choice. I can use that as an enforcement point. Very common. All right, so deploy policy there. And the unique thing here, at least with this approach, is if I look at a security policy, let's say it's like 10 rules. I'm not putting 10 rules everywhere. That's extremely cumbersome and burdensome through the entire environment. No, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to scope this policy down. I'm going to put one rule here. I'm going to put two rules there. But the effort to limit that and really create a bespoke policy on a per system basis is the core crux of the workload protection strategy. I mean, this is the one theme from any vendor that you'll see the difference here with our implementation is the fact that other systems you got to tell me what to block. I'm a policy manager. I mean, even, we have things like uh, like Cisco Defense Orchestrator, right? I'll put the policy anywhere you want, just as long as you got a firewall there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, like cool beans, right? But that's not the hard part. The part part is like, what am I blocking? Does it make sense to block there? Right? There's no reconciliation effort there. I can give you that with this secure workload approach. And that's the, the the difference here, right? It's not just a host-based firewall. It's like one faculty. It's what's the policy? And once I've solved the most granular policy, micro-segmentation, well, now you can begin to have an elegant design. Maybe I do a little bit of this here, do a little bit of that there. Look, I'm not here to have this religious debate over the appropriate policy enforcement point i think this is uh wasting air frankly the question is is what do you want to block
1: right it, it sounded like it was going to start ter- turning into a cooking show <laughs> a little bit of parsley a little bit of garlic by the way totally off topic have you ever had pickled garlic cloves
2: pickled garlic i can't say that i have however i, I would
1: delicious absolutely delicious. Just. And garlic is good, and vinegar, yeah, incredible. If you can find it, get it. Anyone else out there? It's good, good stuff. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. I just tried it over the weekend, and I was like, "Oh my god, I want like a couple jars of this stuff at home. It's good."
2: You, you had me at garlic.
1: Yeah, I I figured I would. <laughs> Again, going back to those stereotypes, right? Bad, bad Brian. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, it's all love. No, this this is this is great. I mean, I think you know as you said right the 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 goal the end game here is the micro segmentation understanding what needs to be micro segmented right in terms of gaining that visibility understanding you know where is my baseline and as you said before even if your baseline is full of garbage and you you know you've already got something going on and you're trying to kind of work your work your way out still still a solution here Orchestrating whether it's the the host based or some other type of um, uh, security grouping, whether it's in the cloud or on on VMware or whatever, utilizing those uh, connection points, those entry points, to be able to lock down, not having to worry about IP addresses, not having to worry about um, you know scalability, scale up, scale down. I I almost want to say sounds very similar to kind of the whole intent based things, right? <laughs> you know, tre- treading on some thin ice with that. But it, 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 I think I think the idea is the same, right? The intention is that I want the these web servers to talk to these database servers, but I don't want them to talk to directly to the PCI servers or whatever, right? I don't want them talking to HR, right? But everything should be able to talk to Active Directory. So when a new computer comes on or a new workload comes on and it needs to talk to Active Directory, go ahead and just auto approve that because it fits into that, that general scheme. Right. Um, And I know I'm going a bit deeper in that, but I think, I think ultimately that's kind of, kind of the recap, unless I'm, unless I'm missing something, Mario, I think, I think that kind of sums it all up.
2: No, you're right. Right. Like that's like you're in, you know, that is your nirvana state. Like I want to have the end goal in mind and I want to allow the infrastructure to accommodate that. However, there is a distinction between the Physical infrastructure, the network infrastructure, and there's an application infrastructure. Because if we had this discussion 10 years ago, and like this whole idea of like intent-based networking, wildly attractive. If I'm looking at this from a campus lens, I'm going to provide something like ICE to facilitate that. And then we open up a discussion on 802.1X. And if you're really clever, we have a discussion on TrustSec right? Um, If you think about it, let's kind of go back to some of the consistent themes. There's metadata that's shared in the network about the Mm -hmm. endpoint, and I create policy based on that metadata. I'm not tying the policy to the IP of the endpoint. I'm tying it to the metadata, right? But then there's also parallels within the network infrastructure itself. Like if I look at ACI and its policy framework, right? The whole notion of the endpoint group contracts, et cetera, it's hard not to consider that and say, hey, like that's a very attractive security model. However, I, I would also argue that there are upper limits to that. Right. I think it's like RFC 1925, with enough thrust, pigs can fly. So you can do whatever you want, right? <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it. Right. And so like the, the point being here is that what you're finding at least where we currently are in today's state of the market and the state of affairs is that there are upper limits to each of these domains and where it makes sense. Not saying what one is good. not saying what one is bad. I don't know about you. I want easy. Looks like software has eaten the world and anything in software will give me a bit more flexibility.
1: And join us next time when we talk about how, uh, uh artificial intelligence and chat uh, apt and the like will just be doing it for you and locking you out of your network entirely. And <laughs> you know, side
2: note, uh I actually so I started playing with it uh for a school project. Um and I was I had to do like an optimization in python that normally probably would have taken me like 2 hours uh and yep. it was like seven lines of code. It wasn't terribly sophisticated in 10 seconds, I was like, write me a Python algorithm to do a simplex optimization. And it popped out the config. And I was like, I don't even want to, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore at school. Like, why?
1: <laughs> well, well, here's one for you. So you heard our intro coming in there, Mario, that is actually an AI synthesized voice that does the announcer voice. What? Yep.
2: My head just exploded.
1: <laughs> So you know it's 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 here and it's going to develop and it's going to do some some uh, other things. In fact, and you won't hear it here, Mario, but you listen to the show when it's published. The outro will be the same thing. Um, and, and we forgot and to mention, was...
0: Mario is actually an AI that we developed ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why if you're on if you're on the
1: YouTube channel, that's why in the beginning he came out very pixelated and he's kind of gotten clearer <laughs> over time. Um, that that's why he's actually an artificial intelligence bot. Uh, he is chat GPT and Persona, so no. This is this has been awesome. Tom, I don't know if you had any last questions for Mario.
0: Not necessarily a question, but I guess maybe a statement, and maybe you, you can even dive deeper into this. Um, but I mean, I imagine even from like a like an audit compliance perspective, we're checking a lot of boxes with a product like this, right?
2: We are, um, there's a couple of things when I hear audit, right? Because look, do you want a cookie crumb trail of every change by the user with a timestamp? Yeah, absolutely. But then there's another side of it is like, I want to press a button to give me a pretty PDF that says, these are all the things that have occurred over the last you know quarter and all that. Like, like <laughs> no, it's not gonna do that. There's other products that, that give that to me, but if you need ammunition to support the claim, of those other systems unequivocally I'll be able to accommodate that. So again, I long winded answer is Yes, it can do that.
1: <laughs> awesome. Mario, this is, this has been awesome, man. I'm, uh, I'm glad that we had you as our, as our first guest in the season two of, uh, of the podcast and uh, just any, any final thoughts you want to, you want to say before we wrap this one up?
2: Yeah, no, I think it's exciting time to be within security. Uh, Regardless Mm -hmm. of where you fall, whether it's career, another vendor, security is where it's at. This is unequivocal. But I would even double dip and say, if you are sitting on the bridge between network security and application security, you will have a very generous and successful career. Because not only is there always going to be something new as we navigate some of these transitions, it's also going to reinstill some of the old things that you learned, right? As I learn these new things, I quickly realize, oh, that's the way that we did it before. And there's a certain appreciation that comes with that. So you kind of have this full circle that manifests itself. So, uh, very exciting time to be within the industry. And more importantly, very exciting time to be within Cisco.
1: Awesome. Could, couldn't have said that one better myself. Mario, thanks again. Thank you, Tom. And uh, thank you for listening to ConfT with your SE. Until next time, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of ConfT with your SE. For more information and resources on today's topic and others, check out the show notes on our website at conft.show. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future topics, drop us a line at hello at conft.show. And remember, if you found this episode informative and entertaining, Please help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform and sharing it with your colleagues and friends. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, this has been Conf T with your SE.